Well, um, yeah, yeah, so I'm excited. So I, if you don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Dan. I am the next-gen pastor here, so uh, I oversee ages 0 to 18 in those ministries, and, and I love doing it, and I love pouring into the next generation, and uh, I'm excited to see where the next generation's going. We just came back from summer camp and saw many of our kids get called into ministry, get set free, get, had some breakthrough encounters with God. There is something moving and happening and shifting and shaking within our next generation. I believe there is just more to come. So I'm excited to see what God's doing and, and God is stirring things up in, in the hearts of our young people. And uh, and so I, I'm, I'm just blown away and I'm excited to see what God's going to do in this next Next school season, we're believing for just great evangelism and people coming to know Jesus. But um, so I oversee that. That's what I do. And so uh, Pastor Jerry was going to be preaching today, um, but unfortunately, uh, his family uh, got got the bug that's going around and stuff. And so uh, and he he kind of got hit as well. And so basically, he's just take care of the family, and he's kind of under the weather as well. And so. He called me up, and he said, hey, can you do it? And I said, you know, it's crazy. I said, because the last time I preached, I, this was the message that I got. And then all of a sudden, last minute, God was like, no, you're actually going to preach this message, which was between the trees, which I preached last. He said, you're going to preach this message. And I'm like, okay. But I had this one all ready to go and everything. And he says, the next time you preach, you're going to preach this one. I'm like, okay. All right. And then here I didn't know that, it, you know, uh, it was like Friday, I think, is when PT called me that it might be a possibility I might be preaching. And Saturday he confirmed it. And I was like, oh, wow. I said, look at God. He knew. He understood. And he, he had this. And uh, so as I was going over it this weekend, he was giving some more fresh stuff and things to add to it. So I'm excited to speak it to you guys tonight. But the title of today's message is called Crossing Over. <sighs> so <laughs> crossing over. So here's the thing. Uh, a little bit about me is, um, you know, I, I've always been more musically inclined, and I did play sports, Little League and other stuff, but I tried one summer, I went to a track and field camp, and, uh, and I enjoyed it, the 100-meter dash, all that, and I'm a pretty fast runner, uh, and so, especially when I was in my prime, so uh, I was really fast. And, uh, but I remember we were doing track and I remember we were up, we were doing the hundred meter dash, we're looking and all of a sudden, you know, they said, go ahead and go. And I, we started running. And what happened was <laughs> I was very new to the sport as I looked at the wrong line. So I'm running, 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 and I think this line is actually here, but really it's further down there. And so I'm running as fast as I can. I'm beating everybody. I'm in first place. And all of a sudden, I cross the line. I'm like, yes. All right. Yeah. And everybody just keeps running. And everyone's like, what are you doing? You know, they, they, you know the, the coach, everything's like, what are you doing? And here, I was like, I don't know. I thought I crossed the line. He goes, you didn't cross the line. The line was over here. He said, you know, that line is for a different sport or a different marker. And I was like, oh, I had no idea. But see, the thing was, is I had my focus zeroed in on this line when really this was the objective. And so when I started running, as soon as I met my own personal goal, my own thing of what I thought was good enough, I, as soon as I crossed it, I went ahead and just kind of like, all right, I just kind of coasted. I'm just, you know, I'm cooling down now. Where's my water bottle? You know, I'm like, all right. And everyone, boom, zoom past me. And there's this thing we're going to talk about tonight where we're not going to be setting up here where um, sometimes we put our own personal goals in front of maybe what's God's goals for our own life. And there's this thing here where we're about self-improvement instead of God improvement. Because there's not a thing that I can set for myself that's going to be a higher standard or better than what God has in store and set for me. And there's this thing here where we have to stay laser focused in on what God has, Okay. That we're not here to set goals, we're here to set our focus on God. So here's what we're going to be going into, but 
We're going to talk about God's strategy. Now, uh, in Joshua's 1-2, I did not make a slide for this, so I'm sorry for this particular scripture verse. So, um, but anyways, we're going to talk about the Israelites crossing over the Jordan River into the promised land and what that all means. So in Joshua 1-2, it says, Moses, my servant is dead, God said. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. So there's the promise. There's the time. Joshua's leader now. All this thing's going on here. Now we skip down to verse 5, Joshua 1, 5 through 9. It says this. It's kind of long, but stay with me. No man, this is God talking to Joshua, shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide an inheritance, the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. That you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make, for then you will make your way (laughs) prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded... You, Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Woo, right? So I love this because this here, Joshua, here's the plan. You're going over the, you're going to cross the river. You're going to go to the promised land. That's the mission. What's the strategy? God gives the strategy to Joshua. And we're going to break it down. But the Lord said to cross over, and the strategy is basically this. He encourages Joshua three times and says, be strong and be courageous. In other words, I'm going to do my part. I already told you, the land is yours. But you got to be strong and courageous in the thick of it. you got to be strong and courageous when, you have to, when in the future, when you're going to have to face Jericho. You're going to have to be strong and courageous when you're going to face this river. you got to be strong and courageous through whatever you have to face. The giants in the land, the other things, all this stuff that they're going to have to face. And he's telling them, be strong and courageous. Now, be strong, when you look in the Hebrew of that, it's be strong-minded or mental-focused. So be strong here, not just like, you know, Arnold Armstrong, you know, Armstrong or whatever, you know, just like going out. No, no, it's be strong mentally. Be courageous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, be courageous as in moving in the face of fear and being alert. Courageous. I'm moving in the face of fear. I might have to deal with fear, but I'm moving in the face of it because it's what God called me to. And my perfect love for God leads me because perfect love casts out all fear. So when I stay in love with Jesus, when I stay in love with God and I stay focused on him and I know that he's leading me, the one whom I love, the one who's leading and guiding me, all of a sudden, hey, all that other fear that I'm feeling has to fake because perfect love casts out all fear. So there's this beautiful thing here. Now, how will Joshua be strong and courageous? Now, how is this? How is he going to get this strength? Is he going to muster it up himself? He's going to get a lot of self-help books. What is he going to do? Go through trainings? What is it? He comes in here through meditating on the word of God so much that it gets in his heart. And out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth will speak. Because he says that. I love that. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Because he already told me you got to meditate on it. 
You ever wonder why people could just like say a scripture verse and this and that? Yes, there's memorization and all of that, but meditating on it day and night, getting it in here, it starts coming out. It starts happening. When you take an orange and when I apply pressure and squeeze it, what do you get? You get orange juice. When I take a Christian and all of a sudden the world tries to pressure you and squeeze you, what should come out is Jesus, the Christ. Christian means little Christs. That's what it means. And so there's this thing here where for us, when we're under pressure and stuff, what happens? When life starts happening, it's a, what should be coming out of us is not fear, not worry, not anxiety, this and this and this. And that's all the flesh. What should be, when it gets down to it, when we're rooted in him and we focus on him and meditate on him, and it gets in our heart and it fills our heart, Jesus starts coming out. His fruit of the Holy Spirit, his way to be Christ-like is what we're to be. And that's how it is. When the crux of it goes, you will feel all those emotions. I'm not saying you shouldn't feel it. You will feel it. You're flesh and bone. But it's not what rules you. It's not what guides you. It's not what leads you. The Word of God is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. I don't know the way if I don't know the Word of God. That's the bottom line. So he said you got to focus in on that. Stay there, and then all these things. Then you will have success. Then you will prosper. Then you will be successful. Then you will overcome all these things that I've called you to do. We need to be strong and courageous. How do you get there? Through the word of God and meditate on it until you are so enveloped with it, until it becomes so one with your heart that no matter what happens, no matter what you face, it just comes out, and you know to stick with it, to go forward. You see, when we say the word of God, it builds up our faith because faith comes by hearing the word of God and we become strong and courageous with the shield of faith. We can deflect the enemy's fiery darts and arrows and defend against doubt and distraction to walk in obedience and not falter when he leads us to face the impossible. Like God telling Joshua to cross over the Jordan River. See, the reward is God-defined success. Now that's the key word, God-defined success God defined prosperity and his promised land for the Israelites right so my question to you today is what is your Jordan River that you need to cross over to get to the promises of the Lord what are the things maybe it's offense unforgiveness maybe being apathetic in your walk with God stress maybe worry and anxiety fear being Faithful with our tithe, sharing the gospel with others, maybe dealing with the grief and stuff in our hearts and learning how to give things over to the Lord and let him minister to your heart to get to the healing. We talked about it last time whenever I was up here talking about those things, how sometimes you could be stuck in that and stuck on the other side of the river and God saying, okay, I understand those moments you'll feel and deal with. I know those things happen and those things, but are, what are you doing now with it? How are you letting me in to help heal your heart? How are you letting me in to be Lord and Savior of your life and to guide you from that land of the wilderness, of the desert that has no fruit, that has no future, and how do you cross over this river that seems impossible to you and get to the promises that I have for you because I want to bestow them before you because you have my inheritance because I gave it to you. This is the thing. The reward, okay, the reward is God to find success, God to find prosperity, and experiencing the promises of God. And so this whole thing, the story, we're going to look at it, but I also see how it's such a metaphor for our lives today. You know, when I was younger, I used to think about 
you know, reading the Old Testament. I was like, man, I'm so jealous of these guys, man. They're just like walking out in the field about their day, and all of a sudden the Lord just comes in like, Moses, you know, this burning bush, or with Joshua. I mean, who wouldn't want to get a word like that, you know, that Joshua just got? I'm like, man, I'm like popping up like Siri, like, what do you need? What's going on? How are you doing? This is what I need you to do, or like a GPS, turn right, turn left. You'll get here in this time. Here's your ETA to get to this next destination. I was like, man, I mean... I mean, I, I know we're in the better covenant, but I was like, there's some things that I'm like, that's so cool. Just audibly, you know, you know, whoo, just like, ah, you know, <laughs> you got goosebumps. So <laughs> it would just be so convenient, really. And uh, however, what I learned is this. God does speak today, obviously. I believe that wholeheartedly. He does in my life. There's so many times he has. He speaks to me in that small, still voice. And what helps me discern that it's him and not myself or the enemy trying to lead me astray is by knowing what he has already spoken in his word. Some of us are praying, interceding for the next steps or the next thing, but are we actually doing anything with what he's already commanded for us to do? This whole thing is chock full of what he's spoken, but are you applying it to your life? Because you might not be ready for the next steps or next position or next part of your destiny until you start applying this stuff and not just be a hearer of it, but apply it to your life. And so we stunned our own growth. That's just something. We're all in a work of progress. We're all moving through it. We're all growing. But I'm just encouraging us today, keep this before you and keep diving into it, okay? Because it's going to help you discern these other things. When you're not sure, I'm not sure if it's him or not. Well, I know this. The, en- the enemies can use the word and try to trick you and twist you up. But if you know this thing in and out, you're able to use this word to defend yourself, just like Jesus did in the wilderness. And when you know it, all of a sudden you know that it's, it's God. So your flesh, whenever the word of God sometimes is telling you to do this or do that, or you have to apply this because it says that it's a double-edged sword. It separates bone and marrow. Okay, your flesh sometimes doesn't like the word of God because it's calling you to do things that it don't like. The flesh likes to war against the spirit. So it's so important. Some want the next steps of direction. And again, like I said, are we following what he's already commanded us to do in the word? So let's see what happens next in this story with the Israelites. Joshua 1.10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp. Command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Now, this sounds pretty simple. Okay, okay, get ready. Everybody get ready. Pack up your things. Get ready to go. We're going to go in three days. But listen, we got to understand a few things here just so we know the history and context. First of all, to cross the Jordan River is very tricky. Okay, the river isn't like, oh, it's about 20 feet wide. We're just going to kind of wade through it, you know, pull up your pants or whatever. You know, we'll make some rafts and we'll just kind of carry on over. It's a tricky task. There were no bridges built during this time period at all. Not only that, but the Jordan River can go from anywhere, from 40 feet wide to a mile wide during the harvest season. Also, the Jews number about 2 million people at this point, and you want them to prepare to go in three days, people are going to be getting impatient. Some of it's hard enough when we're in a family of five or family of four to hurry up and get ready. You guys got to got three minutes to get ready to go out the door. I can't imagine 2 million people. You got three days to pack up all your stuff, and we're going to go ahead and we're going to go face this river, okay, and we're going to have to cross it, and everybody get ready. So I can see a lot of people being impatient. A lot of people are like, what? This is crazy. Do you see the river? Do you see what it is? This is going to be nuts. So in Joshua 2.2, it says this. So it was after three days 
that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Mm. So the Ark of the Covenant signified the presence of God, God's covenant with Israel, that God ultimately was leading his people to do the impossible into the promised land. The Ark had three items inside of it, the manna from heaven, the budding rod, and the Ten Commandments from Moses. The Ark was the very symbol, the relationship that they had, that they were God's people. So he's leading the way. Now in Joshua 2.14 says this, so it was... When the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped into the edge of the water. For the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. So right there we know it was literally a mile wide. That the waters which came down from the upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away in Adam. The city that is beside Zertan, so the waters that went down the sea of Arabah and the salt sea failed and were cut off. And the people crossed over, the, uh, over opposite Jericho. And the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground and, uh, until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Amen. So picture this. This is what we just read. Picture this. Two million people getting ready. They're getting a little impatient. They're looking at the river. It's a mile wide. They already know. Why are we going now? It's the harvest season. Why don't we wait till it's only 40 feet instead of a mile long? What are we doing? Why are we, Joshua, are you sure you know what you're doing? You just took over this thing. I miss Moses. Where's Moses at, man? That guy, that guy heard from God. I don't know about Joshua, though, man. Whoo, he's a little loopy. I don't know. He's having us do this. I don't know, you know. So there's all this thing. I can see this, this tension. I don't know. I don't know. This is his first thing. I don't know. You know, he's taking lead. Whatever. He thinks he can fill the shoes of Moses. I don't know. You know, they're all doing this, right? And I love that. They're looking, though. Here's the thing. You see people going up and down. Look at, the, look at the ark. When you see the ark, when you see our relationship, our covenant with God, when you stay focused on the ark and who we are, that we're God's people, when you stay focused on that, it doesn't matter how wide the river is. It don't matter. What matters is keep your eyes on the ark. Look forward. Stay focused. Come on I could just see that people in the back. Can we cross over? Is it possible? Look at the ark. So this river, again, is a mile wide. Here's the interesting part. This is what's interesting. All this fun little thing about the towns and everything. I say Adam because that's how they say it in Hebrew, Adam, not Adam. But there's the thing. They said that the town, it stopped way over there. It said in a town far away called Adam. So this river is a mile wide. The water stops. Here's how far away that town was. Two hours downriver. It wasn't like the Red Sea where all of a sudden, you know, like the Prince of Egypt. Wow! You know, and we go through. It was like they stepped in, they dipped their toes in the priests, and what's happening? You know, it's just like they don't know two hours down the river, the river has been halted, and the water is starting, it's going to go thin, but they had to wait for a while. They had to wait two hours. They're standing there like, you know, are, are we doing the right? I don't know. He said it. I, I'm staying here. Don't move. You know, it's like, you just, just stay here. Something's going to happen. Come on. I'm telling you. So it wasn't this immediate thing. 
It was a gradual decrease. Joshua had to be nervous for a second. Joshua would be like, steady, hold steady. You know, just like, that's all that God told me. We're just going to stay here. He's going to do something. We can't cross a mile-wide river. So let's just hold it. And they're waiting. But the ground became dry, just like the Red Sea. So they waited two hours. By the time all the water went there, and all of a sudden now the pathway was clear. And they were able to cross over on dry ground into the promised land. See, sometimes we listen to God, but the results are not immediate. We retreat in our efforts of moving forward because we're like, well, we stepped out on faith. Nothing's happening. The river's still here. I'm out of here. Maybe I heard wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm unconfident. I don't know. I'm confused. There's this thing here when when he speaks to us, it's not always going to be immediate. Sometimes you're applying healthy discipline in your life about with the word. Sometimes it's going to take a while for all of a sudden new new uh, neurological pathways to develop in your mind, new habits, new things to develop. And all of a sudden it takes some time to all of a sudden months and months. And all of a sudden you start to see a change. People start to notice a change. And I, I forget the thing, Wes, you might have to help me with that, where they say that people who are working out, right, and you're trying to lose weight, there was something along the line where either you'll notice it first before other people will. And there's this thing, and I forget how many weeks that they said this one fitness trainer was trying to explain, but he was saying, you'll notice the effects before people will notice it. And then eventually after so long, then people will actually start noticing the effort that you've been putting in privately. So there's this thing here within our spiritual world. You'll start noticing these things, feeding yourself, getting stronger. But as you start living your life and the fruits of that start getting out there, people will start noticing it. You'll see that. It's not just immediate. It's not a light switch overnight. Now, sometimes it can. I'm not taking that away. Sometimes it can happen right here at an altar and bam, I'm completely free. I have one moment with God and man, whew, look out. But there's this thing where sometimes when we apply faithful stuff, Faithful giving, faithful, you know, being obedient, faithful discipline in our, in our reading of the word and in prayer and getting together as a family. There's these things here where you start to see the effects down the road. Come on. You have to wait on the Lord sometimes and trust his timing. I'm reminded of the scripture, Isaiah 40, 31. I don't have a slide for that one, but this is that, that those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Now the word wait in that scripture is to hope, expect, and trust God. It comes down to where your power comes from. Yourself or relying on God's provision. Eagles don't have jetpacks on their back of their own to go ahead and fly wherever they want to do. They know how to ride the wind. They're wind riders. That's why Isaiah likens us to eagles in this scripture, because they maximize the power of the air. The air is unseen. The air is invisible to the naked eye, but you can still feel the effects of it. And they know how to maximize the power of the air. And so like eagles, when you mount up with wings like eagles, you're able to be a wind rider and maximize the power that God has bestowed and bought and paid in a price for you to walk in. So that way you can bring glory to his name and see people get out of the road to hell and on the road to heaven. Come on now, we're supposed to be salt and light. So the eagles are called to be like those eagles riding the wind. Now here we go. So in the Ark of the Covenant, when we look at this, I love this part. Because when you study the Word of God and you're getting in the Old Testament, here's the thing that I always challenge people to do. When you read the Old Testament, 
And you're like, well, I don't know about, you know, Leviticus got all these sacrifices and stuff. And I don't know about this. Listen, I'm telling you, when you start seeing it from the perspective where I'm here to find Jesus in the Old Testament, because that whole book is pointing to Jesus. Okay? And when you look into it, like, I want to find Jesus. I want to see. It always points. And it's interesting. When you study the word, there's all these things that point back to the Garden of Eden. And it always points then to Jesus. And then it stays in the present of what's actually happening. Because God is past, present, and future. Okay? And so he's speaking to us in his word on those three levels. And so when you dive in. So I'm looking. Okay. I see this story. I'm seeing the metaphors here. What's the, what's the metaphor of Jesus here? And I'm seeing this. And it's like the Ark of the Covenant Okay, that that was the Ark of the Old Covenant, but Jesus is the Ark of the New Covenant for us. Why? Because he is, like they said, there is that manna from heaven. He was the bread of life. The budding rod, he's our good shepherd. And the Ten Commandments, he is the word made flesh. This is who he is. And so whenever we go in here, he feeds us, he leads us, and he binds us to God in covenant. He's the one who after three days rose from the grave to lead us into new life and is coming back for his people to take us into glory. And when we focus on Jesus, our Ark of the New Covenant, and go after him we will cross over into the lord's promises in the new testament we see come on come on this is the thing when you're stuck there you're like i don't know how we're going to cross this 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 a mile wide this whole thing i don't know how i'm going to deal with this i got all these things going on all this stuff happened to me in my past and i feel like bound up in a straitjacket. i'm telling you it may look impossible but you got to keep your focus on jesus jesus is the thing he's the ark focus on him just like the people say hey hey you know what i don't know how we're going to do this just stay focused on the Ark of the Covenant. He's leading the way. If God's leading the way, then you know your way's surefire. You know that. That's the thing. You're like, well, that's too simple. That's just listen. <laughs> Jesus made it simple, first of all, because he loves you. He paid the price. He did the hard thing. And us waiting on the Lord is hard because the things that we see can distract us. They are intimidating. They can breed fear. They look scary. They look like Goliath. They look like, you know, there's all kinds of stories where this thing, but trust in the Lord. He is faithful. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And I love that part because a lot of people are like, leave, forsake, same thing. In the original language, leave you, meaning I'll never, if we're together, I'm not just going to, you know, just leave you alone in a room, right? And the other thing is forsake means I'm not going to ignore you. I physically could be there, but I could be also emotionally or mentally not there. That's the beautiful thing. I see you. I know you. I hear your prayers. I understand. Do your part. Be strong and courageous. I know it's tough. I know it's hard. Be strong. Stay focused. Be courageous. Move in the face of fear. Don't, don't let these things shift and guide you. Stay rooted. Stay focused in on me. Stay focused on me. Come on, I got you, child. I got you, daughter. I got you, son. You're going to get through it. I see what's going to happen on the other side. You're just going to have to bear through it because I'm working something in you to build up your faith, to build up your hope, to build up your character. There is things that I'm working in you that you can't get any other way because I'm guiding you through it. And anything else that wasn't from me or strategized from me and the enemy tried to throw at you, I'm going to work it around together for your good. We live in a fallen world. But he's given us that authority, that power and stuff. When we trust in him, he's our provider for all that power and authority. When we trust in him, you can get through it. There ain't nothing that can hold you down. You're precious in his eyes. 
He loves you because he loves you because he loves you. And just like you wouldn't let things just openly harass your children or attack them, I don't know, but I, I think God's probably the best parent there ever was, and he's the perfect love. And if us, as people who still struggle, still deal with our flesh, still do all those things, are still could be amazing parents and love our kids with everything that we have, don't you think God loves us? Man. The only way, so in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says this, and we're kind of closing here. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Disregarding all of its shame, now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Christ is whom we follow. Christ is who we, he's our general in the battle. He's the one that I say yes, sir, to. And I love it because he walks through those things with us. But he's our example. But anybody else should be an example before him. He is the example. And you see that when he faced the cross with joy because he thought of you. He's calling us to move forward. Let go of those things. Don't let him trip you up. Yeah. Stay focused on me. That's how you get through it. I'll lead you. I'll guide you. The only way I know how to keep my love on and stay moving forward is to stay focused on Jesus. To not do what I did back in my track days by focusing on my own set goals or what I thought was good enough or focusing on, on the wrong thing. I had to stay focused on what was real. I need to focus on his word and his promises. I need to set my sights on God and not on goals. It's on God. He is the goal. He is the one that I want to most emulate. He is the one that I want to have a deeper relationship with. He is the one that is, like it says here in Hebrews, he's the author and perfecter of our faith. That's who I want to stay focused on. Being Christ-like is my goal. Not being a better version of me, but being like Jesus. God improvement, not self-improvement. What kind of goals can I set for myself, like I said earlier, that are of a higher standard than God's goals for my life? None. He knows what's best for me. He knows what's perfect. He knows what's good. He made me. He knows me through and through. I just need to trust in him. And when you trust in him, you will cross Jordans. You will call down walls like Jericho. You will face giants and land. And you will be victorious because he goes before you because you stayed focused on him. And he led you into the battle, not you going in yourself. Not you putting other goals and stuff before you because, well, they sound good. Or, you know what, that's manageable. I can, I, I can see myself getting there, but I don't know about there. Just keep going after Jesus. 
and you will in the journey begin to go more and more like him and layers will start to peel off of you and your flesh and you will start seeing more and more of Jesus and his love and his light inside of you coming more through and through to the world around you. That's the beautiful thing. We're on this journey with Jesus. We're on this adventure with him. <laughs> I love it. So I'm reminded in the story of Peter. It's like that whole thing brings it back in the New Testament. He's on the water because Jesus called him out on the water. He's walking on water, doing the impossible. But because he looked at the winds and the waves and the storms, he lost focus and he began to sink. And Jesus pulled him out. So where's your faith? Do you trust me? That's what Jesus was saying there. Don't you trust me? Don't you trust me? Don't look at the things of this world. Don't get distracted. Don't get intimidated. Do you trust me? Church, do you trust me to go for it? Do you trust me to preach the gospel? Do you trust me for you guys to go ahead and share my word? Do you trust me that whenever you share the gospel that I will show up in power and demonstration and do a work in people's hearts? Do you trust me, church, to go ahead and put your own selfish ambitions aside and begin to put what I have for you ahead of what yourself and see what the things that I will do in your life? I'm telling you, don't you trust me? Don't you trust me? When I see sickness... I pray for healing. When I see a need, I seek to try to fill it. When I face my enemies, I love them. When I see the church, I have zeal for her. When I am not sure what to do next, I get alone with the Lord and pray. When I catch someone in sin, I treat them like the woman caught in adultery. When I am faced with life and death, I do what God wants us even unto death. For I am no longer living, but Christ lives within me. It's time to be strong and courageous, church. Cross over your Jordan and focus on the ark of the new covenant in Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. Let's go ahead and stand on our feet. Come on, stand on our feet, church. And I just want us to focus here. I just want us to sing and worship the Lord, to shift our focus before we leave these doors into the world. I know you might have cookouts later, and we have this, this, and this. Listen, God doesn't have you off duty. You are a Christian full time. So here's the deal. There might be something at these cookouts. There might be something at these fireworks. There might be something when you're with your family that God wells up in your heart to go ahead and share because the mission field is everywhere when you leave this building. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and focus on God. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.